The following presentation is a Barrett Sports Media production. Recognizing the unsung heroes of sports media. I'm stuck in this pit, working for less than slave wages, working on my day off. This is the Producers Podcast with Brady Farkas. I'm the executive producer. Oh, you're the executive producer. And it starts now. Today we're sitting down with Jackson Safon. Very excited to talk to him. He's worked for companies like ESPN and The Ringer, but now he is a freelance podcast producer, producing some of the biggest names in sports media. CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco with the R2C2 podcast, the Draymond Green show with the volume, Colin Cowherd's network. How exactly did he know he wanted to and was good enough to go out on his own and make it as a freelance producer? And what's it like producing some of those big names? How much ownership of each show does he have? How much coaching does he give the talent? We explore all of that in this episode of the Baird Sports Media Producers Podcast. Enjoy Jackson Safon. You know, I have this theory that everybody would like to be a freelancer, right? The flexibility, the ability to work from home, to set your own hours, to make as much money as you possibly can. You worked in the corporate media world for a while. At what point did you decide that you wanted to go the freelance route, that you were good enough to go the freelance route and make it sustainable? That's a good question. Uh, I'll answer the second part first, actually. I, I didn't know if I was good enough to go out on my own after I mean, I'd been at the ringer for three and a half years or so by the time I left, maybe, yeah, about three and a half years. So I knew I had gained a wide variety, a wide skill set, a wide variety of skills. But the person that actually told me that I was good enough to leave was a mentor of mine, a former boss of mine at the ringer who had gone to freelancing before I did. And he was like, Hey man, like, I know we all love the ringer, but like I left for X, Y, and Z reason. If you have any, not that not that he was telling me to leave or anything, but just that like it, he's like, if you were wondering how freelancing has gone for me, it's been successful. And I, I know there would be similar amount, amounts of work and amount of uh, demand for someone with your skill set out in, in the freelance world. So if you're considering it, great. And if you're not here, let me hear some information about why you might want to. How do you go about marketing yourself or getting new clients or getting new podcasts? Is it all just word of mouth at this point that you've worked with some high profile people and they pass it along? Or do you really kind of have to dig in and go find yourself? I think that's one of the things that I've been really lucky to have is that I haven't had to do the grind that I think a lot of freelancers have to do of like constantly like cold calling people, a sense cold emailing people and like pitching people on work and stuff. It's been mostly word of mouth because I, again, another like big thank you for my time at The Ringer is that it connected me to a lot of people across the different spectrums of sports media, like a lot of people who left The Ringer have gone on to do other successful things. And a lot of people who are at The Ringer, like were able to connect me to people. So I've been really fortunate in that I've sort of had, I don't want to say I've had clients like come to me, like I've been sitting here, like twiddling my thumbs and all of a sudden like work (laughs) appears on my plate. But it is, I have gotten really lucky and I haven't had to just like blast out emails or like pitches or anything where I've had I've been able to be connected to work through a lot of former colleagues of mine and like people that I've just met throughout my my time working in the sports media industry and then the other part of why I've gotten really lucky and I haven't had to do that is the majority of my clients have been really consistent like my main client is the volume where I do Draymond's show as well as Jenkins and Jones and they have been as good of a partner as I could have possibly asked for. I've been with them since April 2021 when I first started. 
and I've and it's August 2022, and I've had no stoppages in work. And they they've been as good of a client slash partner, whatever however you want to put it, uh, as I could have possibly asked for. So I've gotten really lucky in a couple of ways that I haven't had to do that sort of grind. You know, I've talked to a lot of radio producers in the last couple of weeks, and radio producers that are there every day for an everyday show. They take a lot of ownership of their show. In some ways, you know, their fingerprints are all over a show. As a freelance producer, as someone in podcasting, do you have that same level of ownership or is it just they grip it and rip it and you fix it on the back end? It really depends on the show. For Draymond's show, I'm pretty involved. Uh, that's I would say that's for a couple of reasons. One, the volume has empowered knows that I have not just like an editor skill set, but a producer skill set as well. So they've empowered me to sort of take ownership of it. Two, because Draymond Green, as you can imagine, is a very busy guy. So while he's uh, obviously coming in prepped for all the interviews we do, and he, he know he's as smart as any athlete or any person, frankly, I've ever met. So he's uh, he's thoroughly prepared for all the work we do. But I'm doing a lot of rundown creation, ideating stuff, brainstorming, and like a lot of pre-pro. And then obviously the during shoots and post-production work is sort of a given. But for that show, I'm pretty involved. And I think another reason for that, along with Draymond being really busy, is it was a show that started with me at, on it from the beginning. For example, the reason I bring that up is because another, the other show I work for or I work on with the volume is Jenkins and Jones, which is sort of an NBA Twitter show. Like you might not be into it if you are not a basketball fan or an NBA Twitter fan, but that show existed on its own for a couple of years before they joined the volume. So they have like a cadence that they like. They know how to how those three guys are going to come up with ideas and come up with topics and they know how they want to do it. Sometimes they ask for help and I'm the person to, to give them help. And I do a lot of taking their already funny ideas and funny stuff and turning it, just putting a little extra, giving a little extra juice. And then I have other shows that are sort of fall in the middle of those. But like those, it's a good example because it's two places, two podcasts that come from the same client, quote unquote, but my process is very different for both of those. Most of these podcasts, I imagine, are being done over a, a video chat like we're talking now. Are you in behind the scenes on all of those or do you let like Jenkins and Jones or R2C2, which you've also worked on, do they record and then give you the file afterwards to where you're not present when it's actually recording live? I like to be there. I'm there for every single Draymond record. I've not missed one of those. I'm there for, I would say, like 95% of the Jenkins and Jones records. Every once in a while, I'll have to miss one for a conflict, whether it's personal or Draymond Green related. Like, frankly, just like because they're yeah. both the, the client is the same. So, like, they have told me, like, if there's a conflict, like, we can fill, we can cover Jenkins and Jones a lot easier than we can Draymond, partially because Dre and I like have a good relationship and it's hard to like sort of throw someone else into that like right away and partially because on Jenkins and Jones we just like have other producers on the show already mm -hmm. so like it's easier for me to be like hey Adam or hey Brittany can you guys cover this recording I can't be there etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, I the same is usually true for R2C2 I although I've missed a few of those recently but I, I try to be there as often as I can for every recording I just think it's super super helpful for my process of, of having listened to it once just in a regular speed when when the recording helps me i take notes throughout every single recording and I, it gives me a much greater understanding of what kind of edits i need to make what kind of content i want to highlight whether it's on social clips or whatnot so it's it's definitely beneficial for my process so i try to be in those recordings as much as possible when you have a former athlete that's new ish to the media draymond's new ish to the media cc's new ish to the media do you do a lot of coaching up of talent or is that coming from someone even higher up in the company 
For CC Sabathia, I do not because he sort of like I, I described with Jenkins and Jones, that pod has existed for a few years. It was it, at, yeah. even though I wasn't working on it at the ringer, it was at the ringer and it's, it was existed before the ringer. So like they've had a lot of experience. And so in part, CC has had like Ruko is obviously a pro, but CC's had the had the years now and the reps now to sort of get better at it. I'm sure he's had people give him pointers throughout. So A, he's had more time to to get better at it. And B, because I'm new to working on it over the last few months, I don't feel I quite have the rapport with him yet to give him notes. Not that he really needs any. But uh, with Draymond's, because he, although he's like done Turner Media stuff before, he's pretty new to podcasting since I've been working with him. And I've luckily been able to sort of develop a rapport enough with him where I'm able to give him notes if, he, if I feel like he needs them. And he, to his credit, is very down for that. He said from the beginning, I am an expert in NBA basketball and I'm an expert in the thoughts in my own head and what I want to say, but you guys are the experts in making podcasts. So give me notes if they're, if they're, if I need them. And so to his credit, he uh, is very receptive to that. And I think actually appreciates it when people aren't just like, Oh my God, you're Draymond green, <laughs> just like catering to him. Like I'm sure a lot of people do and that he interacts with. So you don't have to give away company secrets if you don't want to, but I am curious on the fact of like with Draymond specifically, is everything recorded in one shot or will you tape 10 minutes and go back and fix something again and tape another 10? Or is it just, Hey, I'm in my hotel room. It's ga- after game four of the finals. We're going for an hour straight and that's it. It's usually not multiple recordings. Sometimes there's a fair amount of editing to be done, but there's not, it's usually just one recording. The only times that would uh, not be the case are towards the end of the regular season. We were just trying a, I think it's, you can see it based on the pod feed. It's not really a secret that we were splitting up the episodes. We we do we try to do for all of our episodes that involve a guest interview, a top of show, 10, 15, 20 minutes of Dre talking about whatever the, the news of the of the week is, and then the interview, and then an outro. And so when we first started, we were just putting it all in one podcast episode for the on Spotify or Apple podcast. And then we decided, you know what? Like this top of show is sort of becoming its own thing. Like people really care about the interviews because Dre's a good interviewer and these guests are great and whatnot. But people also, unlike a lot of interview shows where like, I don't think people really would care like what the, the host, the host has to say as much as they would about the guest. People really care what Dre has to say is so we, we were like, okay, let's split these into two, even though it's one episode. And like when I'm counting the amount of episodes we've done, I count them as one episode, but we were splitting them into two different parts mm-hmm. on the podcast feed. So that way people could really, to not not have them take away from each other, the top of show and the, and the guest interview. But in terms of to get back to your actual question, the recording is usually done in one shot. But for a little bit, we were record if we had recorded an interview a week or two ahead of time, and we wanted to record a top of show, that would be a separate recording because we would want it to be timely. Are you doing audio and video editing? I mean, especially at the volume, there's so much video content that goes out. Colin puts out video content. Draymond Show has video content. Are you responsible for both ends of that spectrum, or are there two different people, one doing audio, one doing video? For Jenkins and Jones, I just do video. And we have an audio producer, Adam. Great guy. And then for Draymond, I kind of do everything. And that's one of the things that, again, I feel very grateful for my time at The Ringer. Because when I started at The Ringer, I was a video producer. I was on the video team. I was not a podcast producer. We worked on podcast content. Like I was making video content for podcasts. But I was in by no means on the podcast team. And I was by no means an audio producer. And my last year there, like sort of right as the pandemic was starting, they asked me to produce a podcast, Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. Amazing show, amazing people. But that... And for that process, they had 
they trained me. They had people at the company, Isaac Lee, Steve Allman, uh, Bobby Wagner, Craig Horlbeck, great audio producers. Three of those four are still at the ringer. Give me technical audio production training. So I didn't know, I never a single time used Pro Tools before and they taught me how to do that. And I did that for a year at higher learning before I was able to take my skills freelancing. And that's sort of one of the things that I think has really helped me as a freelancer because it allows me to be much more marketable. Like I don't think there's that many people out there who are doing that, who frankly, who can do both audio, high level audio, at least high level podcast audio production. I'm not an audio engineer, high level podcast audio production, as well as high level video production. And so being able to just have one person, one producer for the Draymond Green show is, I think, a valuable way for me to pitch myself and also valuable for the company because they don't need to pay more people to work on it. So for the, for Draymond's show I, and for some of the other shows I work on, uh, not RTC2, but for another show I work on, I do both audio and video. You know, episode two, I spoke with Steve Cerruti, who works at The Ringer now, who produces Rosillo's show and was with him at ESPN Radio. So guys I've spoken to have been in radio and shifted to podcasting. Have you always yeah. been in podcasting or you did a spell at ESPN? Were you involved in radio there or has it only been podcasting for you? No. Again, I was like a video producer by trade before I was a podcast producer. So my time at ESPN, I was just, it was just a summer there. I was in the highlights department, basically. So I was just cutting sports center highlights, 30 second, 45 second, minute, minute and a half. It was the summer, so it was mostly baseball and golf, NBA summer league, stuff like that. So I was doing video production, video content for ESPN. And then I was started at the ringer as a video intern. And then I became a PA and then I became an AP. And then I started taking doing podcast work from there. So I the the biggest radio experience I've ever had, I interned at a radio a local Seattle sports radio station back in 20 12 or something like that 2013 other other than that i haven't had any radio experience i'm just trying to figure out if there's a path now like right out of college to get right into podcasting or if you start in something else and shift into podcasting i certainly think there's a path i mean i don't know how many of those jobs there there are but there's i think there's definitely a path i think not that the ringer is like the best automatically the the go-to place for everyone because it's a competitive place and they're not they're not hiring unlimited people but even at the ringer like you could I know they're they're hiring audio producers all the time to be uh to just be audio PAs and that and that starts small like I think I know uh, a former coworker of mine uh, Isaiah he was a video intern at the Ringer first that wasn't a good fit so then he he became a podcast intern and then he was hired as a PA but even his first job wasn't really like actual audio technical production it was like running like coordinating stuff and like schedules and like helping book guests and it wasn't really like a podcast producer job and then a after a certain period of time. He became a podcast producer. So like it might not be you get to produce the Ryan Rosillo show right away. But I know that Isaiah sort of got his foot in the door as an intern, was hired and then wasn't really doing. He was just helping out with audio production. And now I think he, he produces some of the Ringer NFL shows and some of the other shows at the Ringer. So I think there's definitely a path. There's, there, again, there's not unlimited of those jobs because there's not unlimited places like the Ringer. I think the Ringer is one of the few places that lets you sort of come in and find your footing. I think a lot of places really need you to want you to have that skill set and ability right away. And that's hard. Like that, that's just like really hard to have those skills that early. Cause I, I didn't have them at that time. So I think there are those, there are those paths, but it's, it's a, it's a little sparse, unfortunately. All right. That was a great talk with Jackson Safon over at the volume, but a freelance producer also, I thought it was transparent when he said, I didn't know if and when I was good enough to go and make it alone. 
thought it was interesting hearing about how much or how little coaching he does for certain podcasts, how much or how little ownership he has over certain podcasts. I thought it was a fascinating conversation from someone who is young in this business, from someone who has already made a big name for themselves in this business. I thought it was very, very cool. So thanks for joining us, Jackson Safon, and thanks for listening to the Barrett Sports Media Producers Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You don't want to believe it, but maybe the show is over. Thank you for listening to the Producers Podcast. To enjoy past and future episodes, check out iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, the iHeart app, and BarrettSportsMedia.com.